Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sport and Limerick Soccer Podcast, where we return after I have to say I have to take responsibility for for last week's absence uh, for for holiday reasons. But uh, Noel, were you suffering from any uh, withdrawal symptoms? Well, it wasn't the same without you. As long as you still came back without without getting engaged, that we were happy enough. Ah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't be telling Porky's like that shirt there underneath, Jason Connor. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, look, it's it's great to be back. But I suppose it was a, it was a sour note um, to come back and discuss a, a four-one defeat, Noel, to Kevin Teeley, who now have, have certainly become Treaty United's bogey team, considering two defeats have been uh, caused by them this season. I was probably fair to say it was an off night, Noel, and a very uh, untreaty-like performance, particularly in in defence. Absolutely, yeah, I was certainly an off night, and you're right about the bogey team. Who knew? that a team only five months in existence would already have a bogey team, but they certainly are. Um, it could have been worse, actually, than than the 4-1. It was totally out of character. Um, and look, at the defence was very poor in fairness, but I think, you know, there was a kind of a malaise all over the pitch. Um, Kevin Healy dominated both halves, I thought, and uh, possibly could have scored more goals. And uh, it, it was actually... the Probably the first night or the first night that I felt a small bit worried about, you know, let's say the last series of games and what's coming up and looking around the league and seeing teams, maybe particularly Cork, who I feel are, go- are going to have a very, very strong um, last series and and Bray as well. And, you know, look, in fairness to Tommy, he said it all along, you know, things, things can change very quickly. And I think next Friday night is going to be certainly a very, very big game for them after... Um, the performance last week and then certainly be looking to bounce back from it. Yeah, certainly. And, and Jason, I suppose you, you probably agree with that as well. It was it was very untreated like in terms of there was a lot of, a lot of hesitancy, excuse me, I thought uh, in the defending at times as well, but also it looked like uh, three were kind of uh, wide open at times, you know, and and, and kind of exposed. Uh, and, and you did kind of mention that on a couple of occasions that, that you feel maybe Treaty have a problem maybe in facing a team that maybe go like more of a, a 4-4-2 type formation. Yeah, definitely, Adrian. You know, that was uh, visible earlier on in the season, you know, and I was very, very surprised when I saw Tommy's lineup. Callum McNamara, for me, was a massive miss in the middle of the field. And, and you're asking Joe Collins to, to sit in there, really, because we know Jack Lynch really wants to play forward and wants to get in the box and wants to attack. And, and you've Sean McSweeney as well, attacking midfielder. That was the big miss for me. Obviously, you've no option but to go with the two centre-backs, but it, look, I've highlighted it in the past, Adrian, playing centre-back at this level and playing centre-back at junior level, there's a massive difference, there really is, and look, we didn't get a chance to, to dissect the at-loan game, and while that was a fantastic win, it was a little sign or two for me that there was a huge gap between the two centre-backs, even in that game, just before half-time, Glenn McCauley got between them, and the second half of that game, Callum McNamara sat really deep plugging that hole between the two centre-backs, you know, and and look, you look at the second goal in particular, you look at the position of Clyde O'Connell in relation to the football, the distance is is just way, way too big between him and Mark Walsh, and it's a a one-on-one for Keir Marty Waters, and and he doesn't miss them, you know, there's there's no doubt about that, He's, he's known for taking his chances when he gets them. The first goal, very, very poor also, just to cross into the box, goes to the back post, comes off Charlie Fleming, you know, and, and there's a shot from Niall Barnes, 
kind of half blocked, I suppose, um, and, and no one reacts. Again, you're looking, where's Clyde? Where's your centre-backs? No one reacts. And, and Leboeuf has puts it in from, from probably six or seven yards. You know, and was there an air of overconfidence? You had the Blue Army there supporting the team, and, and that was fantastic to see. But you kind of wondered in the management, did the players get a little bit carried away after the Atlone game and after that win and on the back of a huge performance, obviously, Noel rightly said, you know, it could have been a lot more and it could have been worse. Ty Ryan, very, very fortunate, in my opinion, to, to escape a red card. Um, it was the missed penalty and, and there was numerous other chances. He could have got embarrassed in Adrian, it really could. And, and we don't want to see that. Myself and Noel have highlighted before the ball was kicked, how you get points in this division. And, and Treaty have been doing it, you know, not overplaying in the wrong areas, not looking for, for defenders to be attackers, you know. All season we've seen, you know, Sean Gear and Santo O'Donnell, proper defenders, defending their goal, defending their box. And so Santo O'Donnell is back to better for me. Yeah, definitely. And we know he will return for this uh, Friday night's game, which we obviously will be discussing a little later on. And Noel, I'll just pick up there on Jason's point there about, about Ty Groin. Uh, firstly, I have to say from, from watching back the, the Clyde O'Connell incidents, I certainly thought that was a, a harsh red card Noel, to be honest with you, uh, I don't know if you agree on that point first. And then secondly, if you're going to be sending Clyde off for that, then Ty Ryan certainly was very lucky not to be joining him then uh, uh, when Alan Patchell decided to give him a yellow card uh, for the penalty incident that in the last minute. Yeah, and it kind of summed up the treaty's performance because like, if you look at the build-up to, to the penalty incident, there's a straight ball down the middle. Um, which never happens really against Treaty. That you know, it's always well blocked up with defenders and midfielders. And I, I felt then the, the the attempted through ball. It looked like that Mark Walsh was going to clear it. It kind of got caught under his foot. Um, and I thought that Clyde expected him to clear it, and then when he didn't, he was really caught flat-footed, like all good defenders. You know, you expect the worst. You expect the guy alongside you to. To miss and you're ready to cover him just in case, and then when he clears, uh, you step out. And I think the striker had 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 the opposite. Now he was just kind of caught, didn't think he was mentally tuned in, and uh, it was a penalty. And I do agree with you. It was um, it was a harsh red. I thought um, I was a bit surprised with the with the red the red card coming out. And we've had a lot of discussion over the weekend actually since the the tie one because I thought that was a definite red card. And I'm asking the question now to say, you know, have, have they actually changed the rules? Is it a, a penalty and a yellow? Well, if that's the case, how does a goalkeeper get sent off at all then? And uh, it was pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago, actually, Galatasaray played St. Johnson and the exact same incident happened. Someone rounded the keeper, was taken down for penalty and it was a red card. So I think of all the things that happened, and I think Tommy mentioned that the... Clyde O'Connell incident may well have been outside the box. I'm not so sure about that. And it's hard to see that on, you know, the, the forum that we're watching anyway. But I, I think, you know, they were very lucky that that Ty Ryan didn't get a red card. And, you know, if he did and he's out for the next three games, then you really have a real headache, you know, with all respects to putting an under-19 keeper in with the, with the games that are coming. And it's, it's really coming out to a pressure time. Of the season, you know, the next three or four games are really going to show where Treaty are going to be. Yeah, certainly. And we are thankful that uh, Alan Patchell uh, allowed Ty Ryan to, to stay on the field and finish the game. Obviously, 
uh, due to probably the inexperience of the, the goalkeeper uh, on the bench, uh, as Noel said, with all due respect, you know, it's, it's a different level. Uh, Jason, it is coming to, to crunch time now. You've only got your nine games left. You're going into your last uh, series of games. Uh, we mentioned headaches there for different reasons. There's now another headache. I was speaking to, to Kieran Hannon over the weekend, and he said he could be looking at up to four to five weeks out, uh, depending on on how the, the next couple of days go for him in terms of scans or so, I believe. But uh, it's it's an interesting one. Matt McKevitt was missing the other night uh, as well. So they will definitely need Matt McKevitt to be available for Friday night, or else they're probably going to be asking Sean McSweeney to do a job that he did for a lot of the game on, on Friday night. And, and I don't know if that would suit us. No, it certainly didn't work, Adrian, you know, with Sean McSweeney as as the number nine, if you want to call it that. He's more, I suppose, effective in the 10 role where he can drop deep and get on the ball and, and try and create things fire. Look, we've been loud in praise, I suppose, on, on Kieran Hanlon for weeks and some people are wondering why, but there's the reason why, Adrian, you take him out of the, of the team, you take him off the pitch and there's no focal point. The ball is going forward, it's coming straight back. At times when... After Red went off, it looked a bit like 4-4-2. It looked like Sean McSweeney and Jack were playing in the opposition half without actually being up on top of, of the centre-backs. You know, and Look, if Treaty are going to get back to their best, they're going to need a focal point in attack that they can play the ball up to, that that person can hold the ball up and bring people into play. Matt McKevitt isn't Kieran Hanlon, we know that, but he's the obvious replacement and, and he's the one I would certainly be playing in that position. Yeah, definitely. And, and now, without further ado, we move on to the big game Friday night, which is Bray Wanderers at the Carlisle Grounds. Obviously, the sides have played each other twice already. Bray are yet to register a goal and all against Treaty. Treaty obviously winning 2-0 to Maxfield, and it was nil all in what was one of the most ultra-defensive performances you could see as Treaty admit themselves to just try and get points on the board early on in, in the season. It's, it's going to be incredibly tough, but it was always going to be. But considering the form now Bray are in, unbeaten in seven in the league, they did lose in the FAI Cup in that period of time. But considering they're unbeaten like that, Treaty obviously coming off of a 4-1 defeat, uh, Bray quite free scoring. It's it's as difficult as, as it can be now at the Carlisle Grounds Friday. Yeah, it's a big body of work to be done now to pick them up from uh, from Friday night. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that Kevin could be doubtful for Friday night as well. And, uh, you know, you'd be racking your brain and wondering who you play up front. And I agree. I, I, And he, it was tried a couple of times earlier in the season. Sean McSweeney as the number nine. I don't think he, he relishes the role. I think his body language is poor there. He doesn't really want to be there. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of creating two problems, I think, by putting him up there because you're missing him out of that number 10, particularly away from home when, you know, You'll probably be scrapping a bit for possession, and you'll need a bit of a, a bit of magic to maybe create something, you know, to get a goal or nick a goal. So um, I'm not I'm not too sure what way it's going to go, but it certainly is a a big problem for the management for for Friday night. I'm sure Colin McNamara will come back in, and and Jack Lynch. They'll be hoping that Anto O'Donnell is 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 ready to go as well. And we probably haven't mentioned enough, but I have to say that. Charlie Fleming had a very poor outing as well, right back. And I, I think it was only because Clyde was sent off, maybe, and, you know, was caught for a penalty that, uh, you know, 
it wasn't highlighted as much, but um, I thought he was poor, very poor for the first goal. His positioning was, oh, I, I, I don't know, was it a tactical thing, but the two full backs seemed to be 20 or 30 yards ahead of the yeah. the, the two centre halves for a lot of the first half, and I, and I, ju I just couldn't wonder why. And uh, he seemed to struggle to get back into position, and there was just acres and acres of space. So um, I know they've played... Ed McCarthy, I was actually surprised that he didn't start after his performance against that loan as well. Um, thought he was excellent. So um, there's an awful lot of ifs, ands and buts for Friday night and they certainly need to get it right. Yeah, certainly. And Jason, there was a lot of plaudits and rightfully so for the performance against that loan because it showed, like we said in, in the past, that you know Treaty and Tommy have been saying that there's more to the team than just defending and they did score a lot of great goals and you know there was a lot of great interplay in that. But I think it's fair to say with the way the Carlisle Grounds pitch is and off the back of Friday night that it might call for a real old-style Treaty performance uh, against Bray. Well, not only against Bray, Adrian, they need to get back to that. That's... That, them type of performances and, and that approach has them in the position they're in in the league. Let's not kid ourselves on that. You know, this season has been built on solid solid defensive work, solid in the middle of the field. And as the season has progressed, they've got a little bit better in the opposition half. And, and that's what really got them there. If you look at the, the goals, I suppose, against that loan without going back too far, that's the movement in the final third. From, from people dropping in deep and other people running in behind and, and things like that. You do your best work in the opposition half, Adrian, and that's what's got them into the problems last week and they need to get out of them problems pretty quickly, you know, and stop playing the ball into dangerous areas from centre-back positions. And, and if you're going to start with Willie Armshaw on the wing and Stephen Christopher on the other wing, then surely your tactics have to be, OK, get it out to the full-back and get it out to the winger. Consistent consistently Treaty just kept playing through the middle or trying to play through the middle um, against Kevin Teeley and, and it certainly didn't work for them. So they need to reset. They need to look back on the games where, where they've been getting results and, and get back to that, Adrian. Get back to, to trying to keep clean sheets and not taking unnecessary chances by, by playing in the wrong areas. Yeah, certainly seems to be the case. Uh, Jason Noel, just to bring it on to team selection, you've also mentioned maybe a couple of the headaches already. You've also Connor Melody now that has come back into contention, made a couple of substitute appearances. Stephen Christopher has been brought in. Then we mentioned the likes of Kieran Hanlon, Clyde O'Connell are going to be missing the game. And Todd Donald comes back. Uh, there's a lot of chopping and changing, but he has options on the bench as well, uh, like you said. And coming, it's the first time maybe we we're coming off a, a really poor performance for Tommy Barrett. So, you know, big calls will, will have to be made. It's probably one of the most, if not the most, uh, interesting team selection of the season, really. Yeah, I think so. There's no doubt about it. Um, we haven't mentioned Joel Colstrain as well. I, I, I presume he's, he's fit. He was another surprise admission, I thought. Particularly against Cabin Thiele, I thought it was a game that was tailor-made for the likes of Ed McCarthy and Joel Colstrain, guys who actually keep possession and frustrate them. And, you know, it's, and more more used to the, to the treaty way. I know that... Uh, Stephen Christopher has has come on. He seemed to have got a lot of game time. I, I look, he looks, you know, solid enough on the ball. I just haven't seen a whole lot of um, anything that I'd say, you know, he's done well there. He's put in a cross or whatever. It's he's busy, but I haven't really seen any end product out of him yet. Um, I'd be inclined to go back to the guys that have have done the business over over a longer period of time. I'd expect Ed McCarthy and Joel Castrain to come in. Um, not so sure about Willie Armshaw. 
depending on the fitness of McKevitt, I think, you know, you can certainly start him and I'll take Jason's point about him, but instead of playing the ball up to him, I think he's a player that you, you don't play it up to him, but you play it in, in behind him, you know, and get the opposition turned. And it can be just as effective as, as playing the ball into, into feet and recycling. But certainly Callum McNamara and Jack Lynch in the middle and the mindset as well. Um, I think he has a bit of a conundrum at right back, whether Ed McCarthy starts there or he starts them further up the pitch. Um, they seem to be more solid at the back anyway with, with Ed McCarthy on the right and the likes of Colstrain on the left because they, they don't give up possession as much. And as I said, they're more tuned into the way of 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 how to cover their fullbacks because they have been doing it for for most of the season already. Yeah, what do you make of that yourself, Jason? Do you think that Tommy maybe should go back to the tried and tested the players that have got him there? That would mean the likes of maybe, you know, your Ed McCarthy's and, and your Matt Keynes, who probably would have been uh, really disappointed to have been left out last week as well. So what you, what's your own opinion on, on the team selection on Friday night? Yeah, Matt Keane would be the big one for me, Adrian. He has to come back into the side. His, his work rate, I suppose, goes very unnoticed by a lot of people. You know, I voiced my my reservations, I suppose, about Ed McCarthy at right back, but I was actually impressed with him when he came on um, against Cabin Teeley and he didn't look out of place. Um, and look, we got to factor in, I suppose, there's a 10-point gap, isn't there, between Treaty and that loan? So there's no one panicking. But if you're going to go with, with Ed McCarthy at right back, I think you certainly have to play Matt Keane in front of him. Um, I'd certainly go to Mark Walsh and, and Anto O'Donnell. You know, and, and as we said, London picks himself, Ty Ryan picks himself. You go into the middle. Callum McNamara, for me, based on last week, certainly picks himself. And I've been saying that for quite a while now. Then go Jack and Max Sweeney. And I suppose, look, it's a toss-up up front. If McEvitt is fit, you'll start him. If not, it could be Conor Melody. Um, and then on the other side, you're looking, as Noel said, Joel maybe or, or Stephen Christopher. That's, that's kind of the way I'd go. You know, and, and look, make it solid and play forward all the time. Stop playing backwards, stop playing sideways. And, and again, look, without singling out anybody too much, you're looking at balls coming out of the back four. Some are short and getting turned over. And over the past two games, there's long balls and they're, they're running to the keeper and they're running out of play. So that certainly needs to be addressed as well. And, and look, with Anto O'Donnell in there, I think that will be addressed. Yeah, we certainly hope it will be the case and that we'll be speaking in a more positive fashion after the, the game on Friday. We're going to turn now as well, Noel, to the big news in, in Limerick, both Limerick Junior and Senior Soccer, I suppose, today and the fact that Shane Duggan has signed for his... Uh, Schoolboy, former schoolboy club in, in Fairview Rangers, uh, a massive coup for Fairview. Were you as surprised as most people by it? I am surprised because it's the first I heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I said I sent you a nice message earlier on, but you clearly didn't get it. Our lines must have been yeah, crossed. I was, I was in the wires, the county Limerick knows it's probably Wi Fi isn't great, and all, all I could talk to were a few cattle, so and they didn't know. You really were. So, I know, to be honest, about it, I, 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 I am a bit surprised. <laughs> Um, I, I thought he would want to stay in in the league, you know, for a while longer. Um, I think he's certainly good enough. Maybe, obviously, things weren't working out with Galloway, and that's fine. You know, John Caulfield has his own strong ideas, and, you know, he wants to play a certain way. But listen, it's a massive coup for, for Fairview, and it will certainly make them very strong. And the, and the first thought that came into my head was, is the pity they didn't have him two weeks ago against Finn Harps. 
But um, look, it's I'd be disappointed for him. In fairness, I I I would have thought that that there was another year or two. Maybe he'll think about going back into the league, but it's not easy to do at his age. Maybe to step away from it for a year or two, and then think that 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 you can go back in. But uh, a great coup for Fairview, certainly. Yeah, when when speaking earlier on to to Live ninety five FM, Jason Shane did mention that he felt it was as good as time as any to leave Galway. Well, that's clear, obviously, because he wasn't playing a lot of football, and a lot of footballers will say that afterwards. But he did say he didn't have much of an intention. Which I was surprised about, you know, it's hard to believe, but he didn't have much of intention of going back to Galway. He was looking to go part time. Uh, that might have something to do with it. And there was also rumours that John Caulfield was strong in his belief that he did not want Shane Duggan going to Treaty United due to the rivalry they have at the moment in the first division. So maybe there are other factors into it as well. But, you know, obviously huge for, for Fairview Rangers. Um, at 32, do you think that's Shane Duggan finished with League of Ireland? I think it is, um, Adrian. We might see him in a coaching or, or managing capacity in the future, and I'd hope so because he certainly has a lot to offer the game and he's had a great career. Um, could he still play on League of Ireland? Of course, more certainly. I'm, I'm not saying that he couldn't. He definitely could. He just doesn't fit, I suppose, the, the mantra the treaty have at the moment, you know, and, and the direction they're going. I'm a little less surprised that that he's gone to Fairview. He's been doing a lot of, of coaching with the underage teams up there. Um, and I spoke to him on a few courses and it's something he's passionate about. And, and the Aries Club. And, and look, it's great for the business by, by Derek White and, and Jason Purcell. And it will send shockwaves, I suppose, through the junior soccer scene, not only in Limerick, but throughout the country as, as Fairview go to, to defend their FEI Junior Cup. But I think we said it a couple of weeks ago, the league will be high priority for, for Fairview this year. They haven't won one in a while. And, and that signing of Shane Duggan will certainly go a long way to, to helping him achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we better go on, I suppose, to our uh, predictions for the, the first division uh, the weekend as well. Noel, we'll start with yourself and, and UCD and Athlone. Uh, UCD will obviously be desperate for a win because they'll be looking at Bray and Treaty playing each other as well and maybe closing the gap or pushing the gap out on either of those two uh, what, what do you make how do you think this will go it'll be tight it'll be tight I think um, UCD have started to, to improve again a little bit I watched a good bit of well obviously we saw at Lone and, and Treaty the week before and you know while Treaty were excellent I thought you know at Lone were very very poor on the night, um, particularly when they had to defend, it was kind of non-existent. Uh, I was watching them against Cove on Saturday night. Thought Cove uh, played quite well, um, played a lot of football, just had no cutting edge up up, up front. And but what really hit home for me was uh, Cove went down to, to ten men in about seventy-two minutes. Uh, one of their centre halves was sent off, yet they still managed to create more chances in the last twenty minutes of the game than than at loan did. Actually, Cove ended up with with nine men. And they're going to be short their 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 two centre halves against Cork City. I thought I throw that in before Jason made his prediction on that game, just in case that he didn't well, we have had that. You down for that. You might as well keep going. We had you down for Cork. Uh, yeah, he gets the two done. So, so I do fancy UCB to win, and I certainly fancy Cork City to be Cove. No, that was short and sharp. <laughs> um, Jason, we have uh, the big one. We'll say that the top two. I know there's a ten point gap between them. Uh, so it's, it's hard to, to say the top two, but Galway are in, in second place. Uh, they, they host Shelburne. Uh, what do you think that, how do you think that will go? 
I just have a sneaking suspicion, Adrian, that, that Galway could get a win over Shelburne. I know they're undefeated, and a lot of I know a lot of people probably raise the eyebrow to that one. But look, we know John Caulfield doesn't suffer defeats too easy. He doesn't enjoy them. Um, he'll be looking for a response from the players. And and look, having watched Shelburne in the markets field and watched them closely, I suppose over a number of weeks, they lost in the FEI Cup, as we know as well. They haven't been as dominant as as I suppose they should be. And I just have a sneaking suspicion, Andrew, that that Galway could turn them over. Yeah, and Jason, we know stick with yourself that Noel uh, killed two birds with one stone there uh, a while back. And we, we have the, the Wexford and Cavan Teeley game uh, to predict. Do you think Cavan Teeley can bring on that, that form from last week? Because we call him Jekyll and Hyde, so we just don't know. We don't know. And look, as we said there, last week's result was, was a lot got to do with Treaty as much as Cavan Teeley. You know, it really has. And, and Wexford have been unlucky. They've been putting in good performances. So, look... And they are at home, Adrian. You know, I know they gave Bray a game last week. Bray won, obviously, but but they certainly gave him a game. And and Kevin Teeley will need to be at their best to win. But I think they'll have enough to get over Wexford. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot this the last time as well when I forgot to actually ask you to predict the treaty game in the last podcast two weeks ago. So Noel, we start with yourself in in a brief moment. What? How do you think that one will go in Carlisle grounds? Yeah, I'd have a f- strong feeling that. Bray will get over the line. I think it's going to be tight. I could probably see Bray winning uh, 1-0 or 2-1. Would you agree with that, Jason? I would. I'd agree with that, Adrian. You know, we know about the quality they have. You know, Brandon Kavanagh, Connor Clifford, and obviously Brian Maher in goals. And outside of Shells, they've conceded the least amount of goals all, all year. You know, 17 goals in 18 games. <coughs> Joe Doyle has seven goals for them. And, and we've seen Gary Shaw off the bench regularly. So... Look, they're on a good run of form and, and it'll be interesting to see what reaction we get from Treaty. But look, they're still down bodies. Kieran Hanlon's going to be a massive, a massive loss. We don't know how far away Sean Gearns is, but we need him back also. Okay, Anto O'Donnell is back, but I just think Braille have too much on the night. And just to stick with yourself, Jason, as well for, for the moment, this time last year you were preparing to take a team into a junior uh, soccer season when you were in charge of Jamesborough. Obviously, the Limerick District League season starts the competitive action after a 10-month uh, hiatus due to the, the COVID-19 virus. Are, are you a bit disappointed, Jason, that you're, you're not in the thick of it still uh, coming into this season? No, I'm not, Adrian. I, I had the option to, to still be in the thick of it if I wanted to be. Um, but look... It's not allowed by the FEI. That's that's going to be enforced. We've seen that across across football. That's going to be enforced completely very soon. So look, I had James Brown last year. They had four players this time last year and no manager, and they couldn't find a manager. So look, I stepped into the breach and and steadied the ship. And they're in a lot better position now. They were left with seventeen players and a good squad that should should easily, I suppose, cement a position in the middle of the table. You'd expect that, but no, I've I've too much on Adrian with with my FEI work, um, and and no, I don't miss it at the moment. I'll be honest. 